Hey hikers and campers, it's Lori from Hike, where we share stories that inspire us to explore, wander, and live. So here are some announcements for today's episode. I've made some great progress on the next edition of Hike Magazine, and I'm expecting that to be available by August 1st to order, and as always, I provide a full issue preview online. I'm packing a lot into this North Georgia issue and excited for some feedback on what you guys think. This weekend, I'm also headed north of the border to do some hiking and vacationing in Canada. Well, since I live in Michigan, it's actually east of the border. I've been looking to expand some of my interviews and topics beyond the United States. So if you have an idea about what you'd like to hear or a story to share, drop me a line. I'd love to chat with you about it. I'm still committed to doing an episode of the show every other week through the summer months. However, I do miss being on the mic, so you might see that change. Like this week, I wanted to give you an episode more personal with my own hiking experiences. I'm going to share what it was like to be a first-time solo camper at Sequoia in Kings Canyon National Park. And whether you are new to camping or just new to camping alone, Today, I'm going to share some tips and what to consider based on my recent experience there. So when I was little, I didn't get a lot of time out camping in the woods. In fact, I've probably gone less than a handful of times in my life. And most of that time, I was too young to remember it. But one of my most memorable was the summer between junior and senior year. A bunch of us high school friends decided to go camping. And let's just say the boys got kicked out of the campground There was one couple that kept breaking up and making up, and I'm not even sure we got to make s'mores. I might try to dig up a photo or two and post it on my Instagram, so watch for it. So this episode is about solo camping. So why go camp alone? I mean, camping is such a social experience, right? I think part of my desire to get out there on my own was to build my outdoor confidence, Sure, I feel very confident as a day hiker, but what would it like to be on my own and be self-reliant from setting up a tent to making my own breakfast, which I had never done on my own before? Also, I want to work towards spending some nights on my own in the backcountry. Next year, I'm planning to spend a week on the High Sierra Trail or something similar like that, so this was kind of a precursor to get me out there and get comfortable with my tent and my gear. So let's get into tip number one. It's do your research. Talk to some friends or experts about camping. And don't be afraid to hit up your local outfitter, um, a message board, a group, or reach out to a friend. I spent a lot of time researching blogs and articles about what to do and what not to do when you're a first-time solo camper. I can say I found a lot of great tips out there, and some are common sense, but some were really important to read. I also found some tips that didn't quite apply to my situation, and that's an important thing to consider if you are thinking about first-time solo camping or have a friend who might be. Each person comes with a different skill set and background, and what works for me might not work for you. One tip said not to do your first solo experience far from home, and I was thousands of miles away from home, and honestly, I wouldn't have had it any other way. I thought I would share how I prepped for my camping trip, 
what gear I actually took. So I'm going to put a list of that in my show notes and kind of share what could have gone better and all the things I'd recommend to anyone thinking of going out alone. For those of you listening who are experienced campers, I want to hear from you. What are your tips, whether it's for car camping or the backcountry? So first of all, in my preparation, I needed to identify where I was going. Since I knew I'd be in Southern California, my shortlist was Yosemite, Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks, Mojave Desert, Joshua Tree, and Death Valley. But given the time of year, I decided I wanted to hit up higher elevations and hopefully avoid some of the crowds. I had read that Kings Canyon had a lot of the feel in places of a Yosemite without the crowds. So Kings Canyon became my focal point, and I was lucky enough to get a reservation pretty late in Sentinel Campground. And at the very, very last minute, I decided to add another day at my stay, and I picked up a reservation at Lodgepole Campground in Sequoia. So once you know where you're staying, you'll want to assess whether you need to pack all your water in, what the campground amenities are, and so on. And some other things you'll want to make sure you're aware of are just some basic wilderness safety and camping etiquette. So I've put some references of great resources in my show notes, but one of the main things I wanted to cover is you should know how to properly store your food and anything scented like toothpaste, deodorant, and so on. If you're in bear country, you just might be required to use a bear canister, hang a food bag, or store all your food and scented items in a secure locker. And also never leave food in your tent. Even when you're not in bear country, there are lots of critters that will destroy your tent in search for food. And remember to practice leave no trace. Leave your campsite better than how you found it. So one of the things to consider is really choosing your location based on what you might want to do. So try to research enough so you have a sketch of a plan, as in what trails you might want to hike or what points of interest are in the area. For me, I chose Lodgepole to be near the giant sequoias and the general Sherman tree. And then Sentinel I chose so I could have time in Kings Canyon. And that leads me to tip number two, staying flexible, whether it's about where you're pitching your tent or the trip itself. I wanted to have a reservation before I went on the trip because even though they're walk-up campgrounds, um, I felt it was important to know where I was going to stay. But I was also going to be flexible enough to not have to stay at the same site. And that allowed me the opportunity to see two vastly different areas and actually had entirely different camping experiences as well. And so now that I had the reservations, this trip was becoming a lot more real. Real enough that I started to panic a bit. Would I be able to set up my tent all by myself? The tent which has been in my closet unopened for a year? Also, on this trip, I learned about being flexible because the hike I anticipated doing was partly flooded and half of the trail was closed. So keeping a mindset of staying flexible was important for me to not get too stressed out. So remember, not everything is going to go according to plan, but that's why it's an adventure. But let's get back to prepping. So tip number three, make sure you have the right gear and the clothes for the trip. And part of that is just making sure you have all the essentials you need. So here's what I did. 
I had my basic camping gear. I had a tent, a sleeping pad, a sleeping bag, and of course the 10 essentials. And I'll post that list of my gear in the show notes. And of course there are so many resources out there. So I'll post a couple of the ones that I found most valuable. What I didn't have when I assessed my gear was a stove and cookware. Not entirely essential for car camping in a national park that has a camp store and a restaurant. However, I wanted to make sure that this was good practice for the backcountry. So I picked up a GSI Outdoors Glacier Camp Stove, which actually worked out quite well, besides me almost starting a fire in my backyard. But make sure you don't tip the fuel can and keep it on a level surface. I also purchased a very basic one-person cook set from Coleman, and I can tell you that you definitely get what you pay for. The fry pan didn't make it out alive from this trip. So now I am definitely on the hunt for some reliable cookware and perhaps something I can use both at a campground and in the backcountry. As for clothes, you'll want to bring layers and even if the weather forecast shows sunny skies, bring a pair of rain pants and rain jacket just in case. And a lot of my experiences when I'm out hiking and changing elevations throughout the day, I realize it's critical to have layers, a good base layer, and also consider, you know, your shoes. So I had both my hiking boots and some camp shoes, which were my sandals. And remember, it can also get very chilly at the higher elevations. I slept with my hat, jacket, and a base layer on underneath clothes, all tucked inside my sleeping bag. And tip number four, set up your tent, check your gear ahead of time to make sure everything is in good shape. Since I had never set up a tent all by myself, this was about to get interesting. I actually just moved into a new place, so I'm also trying to figure out and get my bearings and getting used to things all at once. So I went out to the backyard and proceeded to figure out how this whole setting up a tent thing was going to work. Thankfully, no one was going to come to my rescue because this was a struggle I needed to make me feel more confident. I have a Marmot two-person tungsten and it was really frustrating trying to put the axe bar together in those grommet holes all by myself. I had to bend them just right and then I would realize that two just popped out, but there is a trick to all of it. So at least when I set it up I got to balance things just right, and then finally I got it. And after that, everything was a snap, attaching the fly, staking out the vestibule. So while I was nervous about what the actual moment would bring, I knew if I had done this at least once on my own, I would definitely find a way. Also, check out your other gear. Make sure your sleeping pad inflates if it's the kind that does. Make sure you have fresh batteries for headlamps and lanterns and that they all work. If you're bringing along an emergency communicator, make sure you have the right plan you need and you're going to want to test it out beforehand. I did a practice run with mine in Sleeping Bear Dunes. Tip number five, write out your itinerary as best as you can and share it with at least one person back home. You may not know which hikes you're going on and the exact time you'll make it to camp, but at least give some of the basic info to someone who's expecting that all is okay call or message from you by a certain point in time. And if you're taking some hikes that require permits, you'll want to check in with the ranger. 
For this camping experience, I didn't do anything in the backcountry, so I just ended up needing to check in at the campgrounds. However, for my upcoming background hiking trip that I'm starting to plan, I have tons of research to do. There's permits. Knowing where water is, and that's water crossings, water resupplies, water purification. I'll need to know how to pack lightly, but enough to manage six nights out in the wilderness alone. But that's a different podcast episode. And now it comes to showtime. I made it on the trip and butterflies were definitely in my stomach. And I was just thinking, this is really happening. So tip number six, arrive to the campground or site early Get there in plenty of time before sundown because you don't want your first time putting up the tent to be rushed or in the dark. And remember to assess the site. Make sure you aren't putting up a tent under a dead tree or dead tree limbs. And realize that your practice run is going to be totally different than the real thing. The soil composition is going to be different. What may have come easy in your backyard might not be so easy at the campground. So one thing that was key for me was I also brought along a rubber mallet to help drive the stakes in. However, I also realized that may not always be a great idea in the backcountry, at least the bulky one that I picked up. And that's going to happen. You'll realize that some gear worked well and some didn't, and you'll adjust for it next time. And here's where I also have to share a little bit more about the campgrounds that I stayed in. First night, I stayed at Lodgepole Campground, and this is probably one of the most popular campgrounds in both of the national parks there. I mean, there are shuttle buses, and it feels, for better or worse, like a small city. However, one cool thing about Lodgepole was there was a post office, so I got to mail out a postcard from there. And I stayed at Site 172, and it actually felt like it was my own little piece of private wilderness, so I would definitely recommend that site if you're interested in going there. Because what I realized the next day at Sentinel is how lucky I was to get that campsite at Lodgepole because the Sentinel site was less private and when I compared between the two, the lesser campsite experience. However, from a park perspective, I enjoyed Kings Canyon more because it was more remote and felt more wild. So staying at Sentinel afforded me access to more of a remote feel for hiking. So as with everything, there are always trade-offs. And remember how I said things might just not go as planned? Well, that leads me to tip seven. Don't stress the small stuff and don't really stress the big stuff either. So for me, I couldn't get a fire started on the second night when I wanted to. And I was so tired and I was starting to get frustrated. And I realized there was so much more to go into fire starting than I thought. And I hadn't spent the time prepping for that. But the important thing was that I was enjoying myself. I was getting to know myself over these two days. More than I ever anticipated or imagined. So thankfully, I really didn't need to start the fire. And now I know I have some time to practice my fire skills before the next trip. Tip number eight. Prepare to be alone. And that's alone in your thoughts, and just physically alone. Traveling and camping alone brings a lot of solitude. Some people aren't all that comfortable with that much space. 
For me, I really needed it. While there were moments I sort of wished I could have had someone next to me drinking coffee and sharing in my pitiful attempt at scrambling eggs in the burnt fry pan. Okay, maybe not the eggs. I also had a lot of time to reflect on life and really feel at peace. However, I do suggest doing something like bringing a book, a journal to write in, don't forget the pen, some type of craft or art project because you might just get inspired being out in nature. And so tip number nine is to take time to appreciate the moments of struggle and the moments of success. While camping alone doesn't bring anyone along to high five you when you successfully put up your tent for the first time by yourself out in the woods or to console you or talk you down when you get frustrated or, you know, talk to you when you can't sleep. All of these things are intrinsically rewarding because you grow as a person through these experiences. Thinking back now, after a little bit of time has passed, I can see my confidence has grown and that this trip really was a milestone, something special I'll always remember and be able to tell my kids about, well, or maybe their kids, because mine sometimes just roll their eyes when I talk about camping, but someday they will know that their mom really tested herself on that trip. And it's in those moments we know what we're made of. And then for the last tip, tip number 10, it's kind of a culmination here. You reflect on what worked and then what didn't work. For me, I wish I would have brought a pen to journal, a good book to read, and of course I'd practiced starting a fire beforehand. However, what did work was doing a lot of what I talked about today. Being prepared, researching, staying calm, and being flexible. And also realizing that not everything will go to plan. It's sort of like life. And you have to let go and know that you can't control everything and understand that as part of life, about the only thing you can control is how you respond to a situation. In these two days at Sequoia and Kings Canyon, I was able to walk among the giants, see these beautiful vistas, feel the force of waterfalls in my bones, and simply be in awe as I drove along Kings Canyon Byway and feel so small in those canyons, staring up at the granite domes and walls. My hikes were amazing, but they were just one small piece of this wonderful journey. And no matter how old you are, all of us can enjoy these wild spaces, and it's never late to start. So I hope this episode resonated with all of you. And it's just a piece of a longer journey a journey to appreciating life more and growing along the way. And sometimes that's painful, but it's always worth it. Thanks for listening along. There's still so much more to share about my trip to Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks. And in an upcoming show, you'll definitely hear more about the hikes and where I went and all the cool stuff I saw. Until then, though, thank you. Thanks for all your words of support and for dropping me a line and let me know what you like about the show. If you have a story to share or know of someone who has a story that can inspire others to get outside and explore, please let me know.
and I appreciate getting feedback from all of you and connecting with you too. So until next time, see you on the trail.